Welcome to the Skyline SIB podcast. We're so grateful that you're taking time to tune in from your busy schedule. We hope that this message encourages and inspires you wherever you are listening from. Now, here is an inspiring message by Pastor Joshua Xiao. It is December. Wow. Doesn't time fly? Amen. It is so, so fast. You know, speaking of time, one of the things that I thought was actually a waste of time when I was younger was um, making my bed. Now, before you judge me, uh, let me me give you my reasonings. I mean, you make your bed in the morning and uh, at the end of the day, you're just going to sleep in it again and mess it up, right? So does it even matter that you make your bed? And and so this this mentality, I just carried me all the way even to my university days. When I was in a rush or I was uh, late for classes, you know, one of the first things I would neglect is making my bed. But that was um, until I heard this message from an ex-Navy SEAL, someone called Admiral William McRaven. And he said this during a commencement speech to the graduates there, a whole bunch of young people, hopeful, full of dreams. He said, if you want to start by making your bed. And he goes on to say, you know, if you make your bed every morning, you will have accomplished the first task of the day and it will give you a small sense of pride and encourage you to do another task and another task and another task after that. It's a lot of momentum, right? I think parents are now breathing a sigh of relief like, wow, this youth pastor teaching my kids not to make their, their bed. And he says, if by chance you happen to have a miserable day, you can come back to a well-made bed, a bed that you made and this will encourage you that tomorrow will be better. Well, it turns out making your bed does matter. I mean, come on, if you agree, and parents, you agree, you know, just, uh, wow. Um, I, I don't know about changing the world, okay? But uh, that, that shifted my mindset. Uh, and I can tell you, there are days, long days, miserable days, when I come back and a well-made bed, you know, it really does help. Now, um, you know, as we reach the end of the year, it's a great time to take stock of all the things that we have on our plate and really ask this brutal, penetrating, honest question. Does it even matter? Because now as we come towards Christmas and we start this new series on prophecies at Christmas, we're going to unpack what God has to say to us in this season through His prophets in the Bible. And I believe as we start today from Micah chapter 5 verses 2 to 5, I believe that God wants to show us and reveal to us how He works in our lives so that we can understand what truly matters to God. And so buckle your seatbelt, guys. If you're ready, um, you know, we're going to read this passage together. And if you're watching online or you're here on site, it'll be on the screen as well. But if you're on audio, you know, can you just listen to me as I read this? It says, But you, Bethlehem Ephrata, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come 
to me, the one to be ruler in Israel, whose going forth are from of old, from everlasting. And therefore he shall give them up until the time that she who is in labor has given birth, and then the remnant of his brethren shall return to the children of Israel. And he shall stand and feed his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they shall abide, for now he shall be great to the ends of the earth, and this one shall be peace. Amen. Just a brief background of this passage of Scripture. This is perhaps one of the most significant prophecies of Jesus' birth, uh, given by the prophet Micah. And if you remember the Christmas story, you know, there's the Magi or the wise men from the east. When they came to Jerusalem seeking the king of the Jews, King Herod consulted his scribes, you know, his chief priests, and they quoted this passage of scripture, this prophecy from Micah. And that's how they knew to go to Bethlehem. This prophecy was made 700 years, thereabouts, before Jesus' birth. Isn't that amazing? But that is the tip of the iceberg. And today I want to share with you three Christmas reflections from this prophecy. And the first is this. God brings the biggest things out of the smallest places. If you're next to somebody today, tell them God brings the biggest things out of the smallest places. Hey, on site, nobody's saying one. You can say also one, it's okay, they, they want to hear you, right? <laughs> Just turn to your neighbor and say that God brings the biggest things out of the smallest places. Say it loud so that those online can even hear you. Amen. That's more like it. You know, there are real people here on site as well as those online. The significance of this prophecy really is that it effectively eliminates all other towns, all other cities, all other places, not just in Israel, but in the whole world as the place in which the Savior was born. Out of all places, it narrows it down to this little town called Bethlehem. How small was Bethlehem? Well, the verse already gives us an indication. It says that Bethlehem Ephrata, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah. There are two instances in the Bible, in Joshua and in Nehemiah, uh, you know, that uh, we we see a list of the cities of Judah there. And we know from these lists, you know, Bethlehem was not listed on that. So we we can kind of infer, you know, that in those times at least, compared to other cities and towns, Bethlehem was insignificant in both size and influence. When the, when the Bible says, you know, too little to be counted among the, the, the thousands in Judah, it's, it's not really in a positive sense. It may be factual, but it's not that positive either. It's almost as if, you know, when you hear Bethlehem in reference or you pass by Bethlehem, it's almost as if you, 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 might, you might say, you know, can anything good, let alone great, come out of Bethlehem? This, this, it's too little, And yet, the prophecy says, out of you 
shall come the Messiah. Out of this small place will come a ruler of Israel who will unite the brethren. At this time, you know, northern, southern uh, Israel, they were all split. And so he will not only bring a unity back to Israel, but this Savior, this Messianic King will also establish peace, security, and strength, not just in Israel or the region around it, but on a global scale. Out of this small place, I will bring forth a great king from a little insignificant town called Bethlehem, Ephrata. That word Ephrata is, is, is quite interesting actually because it links to another king in Israel, a beloved great king of Israel. Not only was Bethlehem going to be the birthplace of the Messiah, but it was the birthplace of none other than King David himself. In 1 Samuel chapter 17, verses 12, it says this, Now David was the son of an Aphrodite of Bethlehem in Judah. Bethlehem, Aphrata, the same place where David, King David, Israel's greatest king up to that point, was born. There's a link. What is Micah trying to tell us? Well, how was David anointed? What was David's story? If you remember, you know, at that time, uh, King Saul was king. God uh, rejected Saul as king because of his disobedience. And he tells Samuel, you know what? I'm going to bring you to the household of Jesse. I'm going to anoint one of his sons as the next king of Israel. And in 1 Samuel, I don't have time to go in that, but you read that in 1 Samuel, uh, you know, uh, 16. And yeah, the, the story is, is, is amazing. Go and read that, okay? Go and read that. Truly, you will be blessed. But Samuel sees Jesse's sons walk past one by one. And in his mind, he's thinking, wow, oh, okay, this, this, this guy looks a little bit like Saul, actually. You know, got biceps on his arms. You know, it looks good. Tall, dark, handsome. Looks like a warrior. Looks like somebody in nobility. Uh, God says, nope, not that one. Uh, and then next one, and the next one, and the next one. Seven sons all pass by. And God says, nope. Samuel must be thinking at this point like, uh, you said yes, but now you say no. <laughs> What's going on here? He's, he, he asked Jesse, are there any other sons? You know, have you got like another one hidden in your back pocket or, or something like that? And Jesse replies, well, there is one, the youngest. There is still the youngest, but he's out in the fields watching the sheep and the goats. Why wasn't David among his brothers that day? He was the youngest, his father said. In other words, you, 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 you might even say that he was too little to be among his brothers that day. He was not considered as someone important yet or enough to be among that list. He was not considered. And yet, when David came, God said to the prophet Samuel, this is the one I have chosen. Anoint him as king. 
What does this story and this parallel tell us? Today, as you hear this, let this be an encouragement to you guys that there is no one that God cannot use. Somebody say amen to that. Today, you know what? If you're feeling small, if you've ever felt forgotten, if you've ever felt significant, know that God can use anyone. You just have to look and see what He has done in bringing up the greatest King of all times, the King of kings, and the Lord of Lords from the smallest of places. Understand this, that you matter to God. Hallelujah. Let me tell you the story of a little girl named Hattie Mae. This was the 1880s, okay? And uh, this little girl attended uh, the Baptist Temple Sunday School. But one Sunday, the pastor, Pastor Russell Cornwell, uh, found Hattie outside of, of the class. Why? Because, uh, you know, it was jam-packed. It was crowded. It was a small room, and, and she was afraid to go in. And so this pastor, you know, brought her into the Sunday school and just reassured her that, you know, hopefully one day a bigger building would be built to fit all the children. There would be room enough you know, so that she would never need to be afraid to go in anymore. Now, unfortunately, Hattie got sick and she died at the age of seven. And at a funeral, her mother, uh, you know, gave Pastor Conwell a small purse that she had found hidden under Hattie's pillow. And, and in that purse contained all of 57 cents with a note that said something along these lines. It says, to help build the little temple bigger so that more children can go to Sunday school. For two years, she had saved her pennies for a cause which was nearest to her heart. You know, the pastor was so touched by this story, he told the congregation about it. And what he did was he took every single one of those pennies and he auctioned them to raise money uh, to enlarge that little Sunday school room. And, and uh, long story short, you know, that initial 55, uh, 57 cents, uh, you know, got a, a net of $250. He did it again, you know, turning them into pennies, auctioned it. And uh, out of that, out of that sum, you know, the newspaper eventually caught wind of it. They spread her story far and wide. Long story short, in five years, that seed money of 57 cents given by that little girl had ballooned to $250,000. They not only enlarged the Sunday school room, they had a larger church building. You know what? Today in Philadelphia, where the church is, the Baptist Temple Church seats 3,300 of its congregants. And not only that, they also have a temple college that accommodates more than 1,400 students. Those of you who can see, that's a picture of, of uh, the Temple Church today. And, uh, you know, the church not only owns that, they also own Temple Hospital. And most importantly, most importantly, the Temple Sunday School is so large right now that any child who wishes to come can enter. There is no one that God cannot use. There is no gift, there is no token that is too small that God cannot use, even if it's that half an hour that you give to J-Team on a Sunday. God can use it. 
And today, I, I just felt that, that God, God is, is, is stirring our hearts and reigniting our faith once more to see that He brings the biggest things out of the smallest places. You know, you, you, you may ask right now, you know, why in the world does God do this? Why does He make it so complicated? The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 1, 27 to 31, this is an expert, he says, God, excerpt, sorry, God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise, what is low and despised so that no human being might boast in the presence of God and let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. In choosing Bethlehem, God shows that once again, salvation through Jesus Christ cannot be earned by our own merit or our own accomplishment or our own success. It is only, only by God's grace and mercy in our lives. Out of Bethlehem came Jesus the greatest gift of all who broke the curse of sin and death so that we, we could receive forgiveness, redemption, blessedness, His favor, His grace in our lives, restoration, all these things. And the Bible says in John 1, 12, that to all who receive Him, God gave the right to become the children of of God. And so this Christmas, this Christmas season, let our response as people of God be one of gratitude. Let it be one of praise. Let it be one of faith. Come on, let us echo the angels that night of Jesus' birth and say glory to God in the highest. Hosanna to the King of Kings. Come on, somebody in this room and online right now, just give Him praise. Give Him praise. Because God takes the biggest things out of the smallest places. And so we need to learn to begin to see things from God's frame of reference. What do I mean by that? Well, it means firstly, don't belittle the things that God calls big. What are the things that we call big? I mean, is it profits? If you're a business owner, maybe it's number of employees. Or if you're a wage earner, maybe it's income level, you know, comfort or, or relationships or, or perhaps, uh, you know, status, uh, followers on Instagram, whatever it might be. Maybe even education level, right? Because education is the key to unlock your future. Um, and uh, it reminds me of a story of, of this man who took some time off from, from his work, spent a few years to get his PhD, um, his doctorate degree. Uh, but he, he had children who were just like about four or five years old and, and, and they couldn't really understand, you know, the value of a degree, let alone a master's or, or a doctorate. And so, and so, you know, in their mind, dad's in school, mom's working. <laughs> uh, and, and so one day they were in the car and they were driving past this supermarket and they saw a sign, now hiring. It was a post for, for a cashier, uh, you know, a stockist, th these kinds of things. And the, the little boy in the car pointed out to his dad, look, look, dad, they're, they're hiring now. And um, the dad Maybe it was a twinge of pride or, or something, Parasan uh, a little bit, you know, he, he was trying to make a, a subtle point that he is also doing something important, you know. So he asked back his, his son, you know, do you think that they are looking for an engineer? By which his son looked at his father and said, don't worry, dad, they'll accept anyone. 
Okay, I'll let that sink in for a little bit. <laughs> Children sometimes bring a little bit of a different perspective to things, don't they? Now, I'm not saying that the things that we consider big are not good. Uh, I mean, all of these are good in and of themselves, but the real question is, what matters the most to God? You see, in choosing David, God told Samuel that he did not look uh, or choose based on the outward appearances, the externals, you know, how, how skilled he was, or how gifted the person was. He looked at the heart. And so what was it in David's heart that made him so, uh, uh, you know, a, a person after God's own heart that, that God chose him to be the next king of Israel? Well, you know, we can see from David's life the decisions that he made, the songs that he wrote. I, I can't do a character study right now. Uh, you can do that. But let me just pick out one psalm for you. Psalm 18 alone. You know, you can see all these things that, that David uh, uh, says. There is a love for God. Verses 1, he says, I, I, you know, I love you, O Lord, my God. Verses 2 and 3, he says, you are my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. In you I trust. There's a trust in God. There is a fear of God. It goes on to say that I have kept your statutes. I've walked in your ways. I walk blameless and righteous before the Lord. There is a humility there, a dependence on the Lord. He says, my Lord has delivered me. You know, God does this all the way through. And then there is a devotion to God. That, 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 that he will praise the Lord all of his days because God shows mercy upon him and his descendants. See, all these things on David's heart, God loves a heart that will boast in him, that relies on him, that surrenders and trusts in him. God loves the heart that desires intimacy with him. Where did all of this start? It started in the small place, in the small moments where David shepherded the sheep and the goats. And it continued to grow in the years leading up to David becoming king of Israel. How long was it uh, from, from the time that David was anointed to the time that he ascended and became king of Israel? 15 years. In which time, you know, he slayed, uh, he faced and slayed Goliath. You know what? He was banished by Saul. He hid in the desert. He lived on the run. He was forced out of the nation, fought many battles. You see, you know, often in the small places that God brings us through, sometimes even in the desert places. These are the places that he begins to grow character and faith in our lives. It's these moments, these hidden spaces and moments that nobody else ever sees. You know, it's those times where maybe you have to give sacrificially to someone in need. Maybe it's resisting, you know, the urge to take business shortcuts that, that may not be ethical or may not be necessarily lawful. It could even be those moments when you choose to pick up a Bible, young people, instead of choosing that favorite video game that you have and going up one more level. Somebody say amen. Does it even matter? Yes. It matters to God. It matters to God. I don't know how many of you have heard of a man named Norman Geisler. Norman Geisler uh, is, is a famous apologist and um, 
and uh, you know, great theologian. He is a prolific author. I mean, 130 titles to his name. You can Google him, and in one of the interviews, could I have a drink of water, please, Alex? Thanks. In one of the interviews, you know, he recounts how he came to the Lord. And uh, basically, you know, he, 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 he was invited to church, to Sunday school, actually, by his uh, by, by neighbor's children. And so this is how he went to church every Sunday. A bus would come. Uh, um, just excuse me one moment. Give suspense to the story. <clears throat> a bus would come sent by the church, and this bus driver would faithfully come and pick him and bring him to church, right? And uh, this continued on every Sunday for a long time. And the thing was this, you see, Norman, every time he went to church, but he never got saved. He, he never received Jesus into his heart. Not until his teenage years, 400 Sundays, this bus driver had to faithfully pick him up, bring him to church until one Sunday, 400 Sunday, you know, God met him powerfully and he gave his life to Jesus. And so he reflects in an interview that was, that was given. He said, you know, this bus driver, what if he had given up, you know, on, on 395, uh, on 95th Sunday, I mean, how many Sundays are there in, in a year? 52. That's close to eight years of going to church, you know, of picking this person up. What if you had given up on 399? What would have happened? But he didn't. That 400th Sunday, he gave his heart to the Lord. And the rest, as they say, is history. So church, let us be faithful in the small things that God calls us to. Susan Warner says this, Jesus bids us shine with a pure, clear light, like a little candle burning in the night. In this world of darkness, so we must shine, you in your little corner and I in mine. Let us stay faithful to the small or even the big things that God calls us to. Secondly, it means this, don't make big the things that are small compared to God. Micah's prophecy, you see, was given in a time where the nation of Israel, whether it was the northern kingdom or southern kingdom, was weak. The northern kingdom was facing a Syrian invasion and the southern Judah, you know, its kingship was, was in crisis. In verse one of chapter five in Micah, he warns of an incoming siege and history tells us, you know, that, that eventually both kingdoms would fall, all right? Uh, but Micah, out of this circumstance and this state of weakness and vulnerability for the nation, he proclaims a great turnaround by God, a breakthrough situation from the most unexpected places and ways. And yet, here's the thing, he doesn't give a timeline. He doesn't say when. He just gives a sequence of events, what needs to happen. But we know, we know, 700 years later, Jesus came, he was born, and he established an everlasting kingdom that is beyond any earthly kingdom that is set up. And so here's the point, brothers and sisters, long periods of waiting, 
and even terrible circumstances do not nullify or diminish the Word of God. Because the Bible says in Isaiah 40 that the Word of the Lord will stand forever. Don't limit what God can do in your challenges, in your situation, in your waiting for that breakthrough. God is a God who keeps His promises. He moved mountains before, He moves mountains today, and He will move your mountain in Jesus' name. Can somebody say amen? Hallelujah. You know, one of our brothers in Christ here uh, in, in the Skyline family, I'm losing my voice, guys, pray for me. His name is Charles, and uh, he shared his faith story. And you can read this as a full thing on the website, you know, just go on the faith stories. Um, he's a, a master student of science in our local university here in uh, UMS, University of Malaysia, Sabah. And he was, he was sharing about the first two semesters, uh, how he was struggling financially, and he applied for many scholarships, and, and uh, basically, you know, he got turned down. And we entered that, that year, 2019, into our 40 days of prayer and fasting for the nation. And he says he remembered uh, bringing that prayer request to the Lord and just surrendering it to Him. Well, what happened next? Nothing. <laughs> Nothing happened in that season of 40 days of prayer. But here's what he wrote, and it's beautiful. I want to read this to you. He said, although that prayer was not answered during that season, I believed that everything would happen beautifully in his time and not by my timing. Shortly after uh, that, that season of 40 days of prayer, you know, he got a scholarship interview, which was not unusual in itself. Uh, but then fast forward to a few months later, in a very unexpected time, in an unexpected way, you know, he writes about receiving a letter, an email, really, that said congratulations. He didn't know what the congratulations for. He was in the middle of something. He was on his way to our, our, our house of prayer, um, and he got it. He got the scholarship. Not only did he get the scholarship, but it allowed him to claim, reimburse, you know, him of all the fees that he had to pay up front for that semester. You know, if you want to give God praise right now, just give him a big clap offering because he is good. Hallelujah, our God is a promise keeper, amen. And this Christmas season, I don't know who you are, I don't know what you're going through, but long periods of waiting, long periods of even terrible circumstances, this is a reminder, this season, that our God is faithful, He remains faithful, and that His Word will come to pass. He brings the biggest things out of the smallest places. And so he asks us today to begin to see things from his frame of reference. And finally, Christmas means following God into the small places. There's firstly an invitation to serve just as the, Jesus did. When Micah uh, listed Bethlehem as the location of the birth of the Messiah, it's, it wasn't just a change of physical location, you understand? I, I know that there's an expectation, yes, there was, that Jerusalem, a place where the royalty was, is, is the, and, and there was a difference there. But it was also symbolic. 
of a different kind of king, a kind of king that, that, that would, would understand the heart of the poor and the lonely. It says in verse 4 of chapter 5 that he will stand, a shepherd who will stand and feed his flock. You realize when Jesus was born, the group that the angels announced his birth to were shepherds, I mean, he, they didn't go to the spiritual leaders of the day, the pastors, the elders, the chief priests, the, the scribes, the whatnot, not even to royalty. He, they appeared and announced his birth to shepherds, common people like you and I. And so that's why Jesus himself said, you know what, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. In the same way, he invites us to serve. This Christmas season, what are the little things that you might give? How has God called you to serve you know, maybe it is bringing somebody out, you know, contacting a, a forgotten friend, somebody you have not, uh, you know, been in contact for a while, just like uh, Rika was saying just now. Inviting them to a yam cha, you know, uh, treating them for a meal, inviting them for Christmas. Don't underestimate what your small act of service to God can bring because He brings the biggest things out of the smallest places in the smallest moments from the smallest things. It's an invitation to serve. And it is also an invitation to receive His peace. Micah chapter 5 verses 4 and 5 outlines for us the things that Jesus brings. There is protection, there is provision, there is power, and there is peace. You know, this peace that, that, that Micah talks about, yes, it, it is earthly peace, you know, uh, uh, peace and security from surrounding enemies of, of Israel. But it's not just an earthly peace. It is also a spiritual peace, a restoration of the relationship between man and God. It means that, that through Jesus... Today we can stand with our sins forgiven and our relationship with our Heavenly Father restored because of the grace that is found in Him. This is the deeper peace that only Jesus can bring. And so finally, as an invitation, He asks us, will you receive this deeper peace? In the midst of all the hustle and bustle and the things that you have to finish by the end of the year, in the midst of all the things that you have in your hand and you just look at it and say, does it matter? This is the one thing, the one thing that matters the most. Will you receive Jesus? All heads bowed, all eyes closed right now. Let's just, let's just take a moment. I believe that the Holy Spirit has been speaking to each and every one of us and I just want us to spend a moment right now in response to Him, in gratitude to Him. Let Him speak to your heart right now because I believe it's just dropping even names, small things, small ways in this small moment. Oh, we thank You, Lord. Praise Your holy name.
one thing that matters this season is Jesus. Right now, whether you're online, watching, hearing this, you're on site, I want to give an invitation. If you've never received Jesus before in your life, into your heart, this moment, this small moment has a big impact for eternity. I made this decision so long ago that, that it's even a hazy, but I can tell you it opened up something that I could never imagine. And today God wants to do the same thing in your life, more than you can hope or imagine. Forgiveness, grace, a new life, restoration, miracles in your life today. He wants to do all that and more. A relationship with Jesus that changes everything. So right now, I'm going to lead in a very simple prayer. And those of you who are watching this, uh, you know, on, online on YouTube, the words are on screen as well. Or if you're uh, just hearing this in audio, you can just follow after me because I'm going to repeat uh, and say this prayer. Just pray this in your heart. If you're ready, just where you are, online, on site, let's pray this prayer. If you want to give your heart to Jesus, or you maybe you've walked away for a long time, having nothing to do with Him. But today, you hear the Spirit asking you to take that small step of faith. He will meet you there. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, today I want to make the decision to follow You. I believe that You paid the price for my sins on the cross. Cover me with Your grace and wash me clean. Fill me with your love and do a work of transformation in me. You are my Lord and Savior from today onwards. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Amen. You know, if you pray that prayer for the first time today, I want to welcome you into the family of God. You know, great things are in store. Stay with us because we have something for you. Rika is going to tell you more about it. But right now, I just want to pray for everyone here and online uh, as well. Why don't we just close our eyes and raise our hands one more time. Lord, today we recognize you as the God of the small things. Lord, today we just bring ourselves in surrender and consecration once more, oh God. Lord, begin to open our spiritual eyes that faith may rise once more to see you in the small things, to see you in the big things of our lives, to see the mountains before us and see the bigger God that will move those mountains in Jesus' name. Father, if for those of us, Lord, who have seen ourselves as small and significant, even walking through a valley of insecurity, Lord, I just speak life over these people right now, Lord. We break that bondage over them, Lord. And we, Lord, we just declare the bigness of Christ in you right now, that you are loved, that you are valued, that you are blessed and you are highly favored in Jesus' name. And Lord, as we just go, Lord, in your grace to the small places, as we follow in our small steps of obedience, open up the doors so that we may see your glory revealed this season of Christmas. In Jesus' name, we give you glory. And all God's people said, Amen. Come on, give him one more big hand. Thanks for listening. 
This is the Skyline SIB podcast and stay tuned for the next episode. Visit our website at www.skylinesib.com and say hello. Drop us a prayer request or leave us a question. Want to know what's up and coming with our church? Follow us on Instagram, Facebook and YouTube. It's Skyline SIB. Let's connect. God bless and have a great week.